Welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of Storm King's Teddy. I'm Wendallion, and how you doing, Cat? Doing all right. Got a little bit of a headache, but we're pushing through. Oh, shit. Uh, no sleep last night, huh? Yeah. So... Uh, so we had our um, session four last night, and it was uh, mostly um, RP heavy, not uh, not any combats actually. Um, so uh, always start out with first impressions. What did you think of the session overall? Um, but it was good. We got to know each other. We did a little bit of shopping, um, got some much needed supplies that we'll get on about. Um, it was just, you know, <laughs> catching up and getting kind of like, uh, cameos from the storm Lords. Yeah. How about that? It was a, a never ending revolving door of storm Lords last night. Um, so uh, this is, <laughs> This is the thing about the session that surprised me the most. Um, so in my second edition campaign, you guys often do uh, what I call housekeeping sessions where you're resupplying, you're shopping, it's all RP heavy. There may be, you know, a small encounter, but basically, you know, that's the whole point of the, of the whole session. We had a four hour session and we didn't even get our shopping done. <laughs> yeah. Um, and i didn't even get to shop oh i know yeah so uh so let's get into uh, a little bit about what happened um so we if you remember from last episode we had all gone back to the phoenix the tavern and we were uh just drinking uh we didn't you know still had all of our our wounds from the uh, last adventure still kind of had the stink of the road on us and uh, four of us decided to uh, go shopping it was late in the afternoon we didn't think we were gonna get a lot done but we decided that that's what we were going to do so uh, Prue, Portia, Lars, and Keelan uh, all went out to shop and Tabane stayed with Winifred at the Phoenix drinking right? Yes, and I really wanted to go out and shop with you guys, but I didn't want to leave Winifred alone. So I'm like, I'll just do my shopping later. So, and and this was this this was just as classic of a um a, a, of a rookie mistake. We probably should have just waited until next day and gone as a group, so everybody could have done all of it. So I mentioned last episode that we've been we've been splitting ourselves up during combat, and this was oh. kind of the same same as except yeah. uh, you know Teddy had two different essentially groups to deal with at the same time, and one of them was lounging and drinking, so there wasn't a whole lot to do there. So um, that uh, that kind of stunk because you guys were uh, a little kind of out of it for the first I don't know what two hours. Yeah, the first half was the four of you shopping, and Winifred and I were just kind of chilling out in the back, getting to know each other real good. So when uh, we were getting ready to, we wanted to walk to a um, a blacksmith, an armorer, uh, because 
Uh, we all needed, uh, like, I needed work done on my armor. Uh, I had a few uh, replacement weapons I needed to uh, to grab. And then, so that was uh, collectively going to be our first stop. And we were going to go uh, to a place, it wasn't all the way across town, but it wasn't right next door either. Uh, and um, immediately out in front of the Phoenix, we ran into a uh, rickshaw puller named Bubbas. And he was this huge, is he a hill giant? I think he was a half giant. Okay. So he, he was freaking huge. And he, um, was also a little, I'll, I'll, I'll say it nicely and say he had some, uh, cognitive challenges. <laughs> is that the best way to say it? Uh, not very smart. And, uh, he wanted three copper pieces each to, uh, pull us to where we were going. And so, um, Keelan immediately was like, okay, uh, this is an RP heavy session. I just found a new charity project. <laughs> I immediately liked Bubba's. Um, so, uh, gave him a, an entire gold piece that was this enough for the day. And he's like, sure. So, uh, and he, took us at a walk across town, which would have been like any of us running was the way that Teddy described it. Um, and took us to a reputable armor weaponsmith called black iron. Right. And it was run by half giants. Um, it's, it's supposed to be a reputable place and, uh, and it was shaped, he said like a, a giant anvil. Um, so, uh, when we pulled up, um, Bubba's pulled out what I uh, refer to as his ass sandwich because the way it was described is he had sat on it several times uh, before trying to eat it. So Keelan, uh, I rolled a great perception check and was able to find a um, a food vendor, a lizard man selling uh, meat. Um, it was a little way from the shop, but not, not very far away. And I bought four wraps, one for each of us. And then, uh, a giant sized one for Bubba's. And so while he was eating and uh, we all went into the black iron and there was a guy there or now that's the half giants, right? That owned black iron. I think so. Okay. So I, I, um, that's, I guess I got Bubba's confused with that. So Bubba's might be the full giant, but I think the half giants run Black Iron, and the main guy's name was Hular, and he had a daughter named uh, Salarka. Is that right? Yep. And three sons. I think if I heard correctly, and I, I don't know that I did, but I think he called them Lift, Flex, and Esteban. And uh, the. Uh, the funny thing, though, was uh, Salarka seemed like she was kind of interested in Lars and just too shy to do anything about it. And so uh, what did you think on this? I thought Lars got a lot more quality RP time in this session than he has in any session prior. Yeah, he he was dishing out calendars like candy. People were buying the calendars like candy. Um, he really leaned into... Uh, selling himself for a greater cause right so the the calendars are basically he's had uh the 12 months of lars is that what he calls it 
the year of Lars. The year of Lars. And <laughs> so he's selling uh, current year calendars for charity, and he just carries this sack around that says charity on it. <laughs> and he has, uh, and so yeah, he's handing out these calendars. And it's uh, got him on there in various stages of undress and posing. So, um, which is hilarious. But anyway, so, uh, you know, uh, Salarka and Lars had a little RP time. Um, at the shop, we bought uh, a whole pile of crossbow bolts. I uh, grabbed a set of manacles for man-sized and larger than man-sized. Uh, I picked up a pouch of ball bearings. Uh, I got my armor and shield repaired. That was free, which was pretty cool. And most importantly, I got my knife. Now, uh, if you remember in our uh, trip down into the uh, the chasm, you got wrapped up by that web, and I needed something edged in order to cut you out. And I didn't have anything edged except uh, Teddy let me get away with using the head of a uh, crossbow bolt. So the funny thing though was if you looked at my if you looked at my backstory Keelan absolutely had a knife on her and uh I guess I could have used my inspiration and paid however many gold to uh essentially have the knife because it wasn't strictly part of Keelan's starting equipment but Every character I've ever played ever, even if they have weapon restrictions where they're not allowed to use edged weapons, always carries a knife. And just as a utility, as a utility prop. So um, anyway, I got my knife. um, And it was, I think, pretty cheap, like three gold pieces um, for really good quality steel, bone handle, that kind of thing. Um, And then... Uh, and you were the one that actually noticed that, right? Yeah, because um, we've been playing other games together, and I read your backstories of your characters, and I know that you always have this knife. So when we were in that situation a few sessions back, and you didn't pull out your knife, I'm just like, what? What's going on? Like, he doesn't have his knife. So. Yeah, yeah I, and, and like I said, I, I I almost always put it in because... It's just, um, well, and I, I carry a knife for real, too, because for the same reason. I, I probably use that uh, more than I use my car keys. So, um, you know, just packages come in, open them up, Amazon, whatever. Um, and so I and I carry a folder instead of a straight blade, but, you know, um, the uh, any, anyway, yeah. So I should have I actually had one on my character. And so I took care of that oversight in this session. Um, and then uh, Prue, Prue got a really good quality set of armor, uh, like a breastplate for 200 gold, right? Um, Portia did. <sighs> okay. They officially have to change their P names. <laughs> or one of them has to change their P names. I get them flipped all the time. Um, I, it's not bad in session, but but I can't ever remember after the game uh, which P name did what? Um, so, uh, so Portia got the breastplate yes, and gave her old armor to Prue instead of the other way around. Correct. Okay. Uh, and she picked it, it was a masterwork, 
uh, breastplate, uh, Teddy said could actually be enchanted. And it only cost her 200 I think the book price is like 400 gold for that, isn't it? I don't know what the book price is, but um, he did say that the price was cut in half from an earlier project she did for the blacksmith. Oh, yeah, so the, the giant bellows, the automatic yeah. bellows. Yeah, that was cool. Um, another another neat tie-in to uh, Stormreach, having somebody that's lived there and, and done business with the locals. Um, so then, uh, Lars picked up armor as well. I think it was studded leather. I believe it's so studded as well. Okay. And while they were repairing and cleaning my armor, I got what they called the loner. And it was a suit of full plate that, uh, all rusted out and nasty looking, but it, and it didn't really fit me very well. And, <laughs> and, uh. But it was something to wear in case I ran into combat while my armor was being taken care of. Um, and as soon as that happened, I'm like, well, if this is like full plate, I could sell this and <laughs> come out way ahead. I mean, not that Keelan would have done that, but I'm like, I could sell this and come out way ahead. And I found out later why I couldn't do that, but... Um, and then we also uh, found out that there was a shop very near there that we may visit in the future called Von uh, Von uh, something Vix Ruckvix Von Rickvuck I can't I can't even pr- pronounce uh, Von uh, I'm going to say Ruckvix uh, Splendors of the South and it's right across the street from Black Iron. So we were going to go in there and check things out, but we kind of ran out of time. And uh, I also picked up the name of a tailor in the Respite Quarter. Um, the uh, House of uh, Duasco, which is the same place that Keelan tithed in the previous game. Um, and then uh, they said there's a... a place called the open palm Inn, a person named hardy mullenwood and they're well known for sewing and i've got need of uh specifically a cobbler but uh also a tailor so i'm gonna have to check that place out and since we didn't really have time to go to another store bubba's took us back to the phoenix and we reunited with you and winifred and um lars got his performance on so, um, he actually did a, a performance for the crowd. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, he's putting his talents to use as well as his looks. And he made some gold. He made some gold. I don't remember how much it wasn't like a ton, but I don't know. Uh, somewhere between 10 and 20. Yeah. And okay. so, um, Let's see the, uh, so yeah, we got back. Um, and so let's, uh, let's talk about our group name for a while. Um, because we did, our characters did actually sit around and talk about that for a little while after the four of us returned. And so the two suggestions that were basically being voted on was Keelan had suggested, um, 
Outliers as the name of the group. And I'm probably going to get the wrong name again. It was Porsche's suggestion for the Sundowners? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and then um, after we had kind of voted, you suggested uh, it was a combination of the two, like uh, Outliers at Sundown, right? Yep. And yep. I kind of said that a couple of times to myself, and I'm like, I don't think that rolls off my tongue. So I suggested sunset outliers and is so did we decide is that the name or no i don't think we officially have signed it off um in a in a moment of rp like before we were um gonna do our next activity which we'll get into later um on the next day i wanted to end the day saying like all right as uh, official team leader, newly promoted, like we're going to call ourselves outliers at Soundown. Or sorry, I said mine. Uh, Sunset Outliers. And but that kind of didn't happen. I never really saw an opening, and we just kind of quickly wrapped up the night and moved on to the next day. So we don't even have a we don't even have a group name. <laughs> well, we, that's we, not entirely true because. The next day, I'll just do a little teaser. We went to the bathhouse and met a stormlord, and he he um, said our name, but he said it incorrectly. So I think we're gonna go forward with the sunset outliers, um, and then we'll just see if that sticks, and we'll probably have to um, actually get it registered with um, the the Stormwatch recruiter's place. Uh, yeah, I think that's where Teddy said we had to go. Um, yeah. So you already alluded to the bathhouse, so um, go ahead. Why don't you take us through some of that? Well, uh, we woke up uh, the next morning. I was a little saucy the night before, had a little bit to drink. So I woke up uh, with a hangover. Yeah, you barely made forward. your, you barely hit a 10 on your constitution roll. Yeah, I think if I got any lower, it would have been worse. Um, but so I came out, you know, relatively okay on it. Took a note for future drinking habits, uh, not to go so heavy on it next time. Um, but we like slept it off the night before, and then we just woke up still kind of like filthy and dirty because of fighting and traveling, and we haven't really had a chance to like. Hi, do our hygienes or anything so we all woke up from the inn uh, we were going to meet up downstairs Prue which I thought was awesome was just like don't talk to me till I had my coffee yeah that was she great was just like <laughs> yeah she's just like straight to the bar give me coffee don't care who you are I need coffee so I'm like that's pretty relatable um so this is we, so this is great um you're 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 absolutely on point with this uh when you learn little things like this um about the characters it makes it awfully easy to do little things to bond so immediately when uh, so keelan rolled a perception check to uh, see how like grumpy she was first thing in the morning went over got her coffee i am definitely making coffee part of my uh my adventuring supplies now so that mm. she can have like good coffee while we're out adventuring 
little things like that. I think it's like you said, it's pretty cool. Anyway, didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, it's fine. Um, uh, on the topic of little things, uh, overnight Porsche made glasses for our lovely gentleman's gentleman, Winifred. Oh yeah. And, that wasn't a little thing though. That's freaking cool yeah. as hell. It gives him like uh, night vision. Yeah. Yeah. She said they was like goggles of night or something along those lines, but it essentially just gives him night vision since our party I th- all has night vision except for him. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was uh, casting light in a hooded lantern for him in the last dungeon so that he could see. Yeah. And, so yeah, that was that was nice of her to do that little thing for him. Um, I, like you said, it's the little things, the bonding, the getting to know each other. You know, I like their little text conversation as Teddy was describing Prue getting her coffee. Of like, how hey, how does it look? And they're like, oh, it looks quite regal on you, or whatever. And it's just. It's nice to see these kind of small, minuscule things that other people would just brush off. But, you know, it's early stages. We're still getting to know each other, and it's it's nice that we can... <laughs> okay, trivia question for... Well, not trivia, just opinion question for you. Okay. So if, um, if Portia had made those glasses uh, look like the old, uh, I call them birth control glasses, like the classic revenge of the nerds guys used to wear. <laughs> Do you think he would have worn them anyway? <laughs> because they're dark vision. <laughs> I honestly, the, the way Winifred has been playing his character, I think he would have accepted them regardless of how they looked, whether or not he used them would have probably been up to him or if he had no other choice to use them. But, you know, I think she, I think the context of what the glasses look like can be up to them, but I, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been kind of funny just to see what his reaction would have been. Um, okay. So yeah, that was, that was cool though. Um, but go ahead. Um, after all that, we, um, I'm not used to actually explaining what we were doing. Uh, <laughs> there was Bubba's who was staked out all night waiting for us at the front of the tavern inn. Um, yeah, he slept He him. slept outside because I, I yep. told him that uh, I might need him in the morning. So he had no idea what to do. So he just crashed. Uh, it was yep. pretty cool. Yeah, go ahead. Your, your new buddy um, just was waiting for us. Um, Winifred really emphasized wanting to do laundry. Um, this was not the first time he said he wanted to launder clothes, at least his, his own. Even he offered to launder his ours as well, which is very generous of him. So we met Bubba's up front and we all went to a bathhouse and a bathhouse. The way Teddy explained things is like sacred, holy grounds, like Thornreach may be in chaos and there's organized crime and street robberies and, you know, shifty vendors and all this stuff, but the bathhouse is like sacred ground. No one steals anything. No one tries to con you. It's just like, you're all there to be reasonable. Uh, I can't think of the, I can't think of the term, but yeah. So, like, um, respectful. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> that's, uh, and he said that it was that way, like, uh, for all bathhouses, right? Yes. Um, and 
that do you remember the name of the bathhouse that we went into? No, I don't. Um, I don't even remember. I don't even remember uh, the other bathhouse, the the super coveted one. It was it like slice of heaven. Yeah, I think so. Um, he mentioned that that was in the like the respite quarter, where yeah. um, and the, like the oh, said so the waters uh, reversed aging even. Yeah, and when he said that, I immediately thought like, well, probably Lord Yorick of Monitu is probably spending a lot of his time in the bathhouse there because he's trying to extend his life. But um, anyways. Continuing on, we got to the bathhouse, um, which name escapes both of us, and we ran into a, a very popular, um, well-known person of interest. And the way Teddy described him, and he says, it doesn't no matter who you are or where you came from, you've at least heard of this guy. You may not know who he was or what he was or what he looked like or what he did, but you have heard of him. So that's quite a reputation to have. And it turns out that he was a minotaur uh, that was fighting in the ring. And he is like the, the, the number one guy. Like he's, he's won all the champions and the, all the, yeah. So, um, he, um, he's like Coca-Cola famous. Like yeah. even in my monastery, we had heard of him. Uh, like, uh, and then said something about um, uh, what was it? What was his name? Do you remember? Um, uh, Colos. Yes, all I remember is Ivory Horn, but Colos sounds Colos correct. of the Ivory Horn. That's it. And then, and he had like these uh, human and elven, half elven women fawning all over him, um, and. So, um, and something about his company, like they started out as slaves and he got them all elevated to where they were yeah. f- free and fighting in these, um, in these games. It was, uh, the red champion of the red ring, I think was, was what it was called. Yeah. He himself started out as a slave and then. Through his winnings, he gained fame, notoriety, and then he eventually just abolished the slave practice and created his own um, his own little like ring of fighters. Um, uh, I can't I, think of the correct term for it at the moment. Uh, I think I found it. <laughs> Holy ground, I under remember what Ramirez taught. Uh, that was uh, that was my reference when um, Teddy said it was holy ground. I was like, "Holy ground, Highlander!" Uh, okay, sorry. Go ahead with uh, with Colos. Uh, um, that was pretty much it, just to mention him, um, because Teddy made it a point to mention him. So we're going to make a point to acknowledge him. Um, hmm. And then probably what was. To me, the most fun of the entire campaign was the double himbo just aura radiating from the bathhouse when we had um, Varen Lassite, the Storm Lord, come visit us in the bathhouse. 
Yeah, so for reference, he's like this 6'2 chiseled human specimen. And so uh, even has some better features than Lars does. <laughs> and uh, just walked up to our communal bath and jumped right in with us and sat right next to Lars. Uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, the, the conversation between the two was no short of amazing. It was quite awesome. I didn't take much part in it, but just I was happy to just be there and observe because the conversations they were having was great. Like I audibly physically face palmed at some of the things he was saying because I just was not expecting one a storm lord of that reputation to say these kind of things and two he just said it so casually like yeah it doesn't matter it like my wife jacks off to Lars all the time it's like <laughs> what <laughs> must have one of his calendars at home yeah <laughs> uh, and then and then in the bathhouse you know he was getting all buddy buddy with um Portia and we talked about her shop and uh, her assistant because she's very 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 concerned about her assistant and she mentions it with every passerby that we would come across um, and what I personally liked is the little text conversation of Prue going into like guard mode for Portia since Baron Lassite came up and he was being a little chummy with all of us and Prue's just like no I'm not having this like you're not gonna get a you're not gonna get any closer to Portia. Yeah. And oh, um wasn't uh, Oh, you know what? We completely skipped over or Oh uh the other Stormlord, Lady Kiris. Yes. She appeared when we were back um at the Phoenix. Right? Yes. Yes, yes, I we did completely skip over Lady Kiris um, visiting us as you all came back from shopping, and we were talking about a our team name. Yeah, so um, essentially, she just appears in a puff of smoke, asks if we spoke to someone called uh, Gollernack, something like that. Gollernack. Uh, what was it? Olrenak. No, Golrenak. Golrenak. Okay. Yeah. And he's supposed to be an expert on giant kind. Uh, and explained to us that as long as we were doing good work, uh, we'd be looked after while we were in, was it Southgate? Southgate and Oldgate? Oldgate, okay. And then, uh, and essentially, she's in charge of organized crime. <laughs> so, uh, crime lord. Uh, telling oh. us, hey, you guys are doing great. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little uh, RP moment happened there um, when Portia mentioned that she like pays homage, or I can't remember the correct term, uh, that she pretty much is working for Lady Chris, or she pays Lady, or sorry, Curious, not Chris. Uh, for her protection when she's gone, like has guards outside her shop when she's gone and everything. Oh, yeah. And and Prue was just like, I'm going to move Portia to my sus list. You're sus. And, You're sus. Yeah. yeah. And then they had a moment of like, hey, um, Prue was like, hey, Portia, uh, do you like uh, smuggle guns? Do you smuggle drugs? Um, are you like a gun runner? Like, 
she was just drilling her on like all these illegal activities and Winifred was kind of getting in on it too. And Portia was like, what are you talking about? I'm just an honest shopkeeper. Uh, so that, that was fun. That was, that was good. And, um, and very in character for, uh, for Prue. Um, and we also forgot, even though we said that you slept uh, and where we all slept and you woke up with a hangover, we, Forgot to say that after that long rest, we woke up and we were second level. Yes. Officially, that was when we hit second level. So uh, everybody healed up and all spells back, all that kind of thing. So, um, okay. Uh, so we're back to the bathhouse. Um, I don't think there's much left in the bathhouse. We Oh, uh, Keelan paid we're... for Bubba's to get his clothes done and have a bath too. I didn't do it in chat. I did it. Oh, I, I, I guess I did it in chat, not by voice. Yep. Um, um, so we all finished up our bathing. Uh, Lord Varen Lassite left us to our whatever we were to do. Um, we got out, got our bathing done, got our laundry done, back, got dressed, and then we had a cart of come by a delivery and that was all of the things you guys bought at the black Black iron Iron. yeah uh and then my loner suit of armor uh you know i had just thought you know i can sell this it's full plate even if it's rusty it it would still bring you know quite a bit and (laughs) once the uh gear arrived from black iron the plate got up and just walked back to black iron on its own so that was pretty cool that's why yep. they don't mind loaning it out. Yep, because whether you're in it or not, it's going to walk back to the shop when it's done. Um, and other than that, there was a lot of backstory to the oh, districts yes, and the storm so lords. Yes, there was uh, a, a t- I'm I'm going to be perfectly upfront and honest about this. My eyes crossed after like the first three instances of this. I, I was trying to keep up in notes and I'm just like, I'm not keeping up. <laughs> so yeah, there, there was a good 45 minutes to almost an hour of just this, this storm Lord is over this district. This district is yeah. what happens in this district. And then there's the sub district in that district and that, and it's just like, Whoa, I mean, it's good to have the backstory, but oh yeah, was... I, I like uh, it's definitely a lot of flavor to the city. And, yes, it gives it much a, a lot of life. Yes, and and I'm all for that stuff. But I, it was just like a uh, a deluge of information all at once, and I I know I absorbed less than less than half of it. Yeah, and and that's and that's even after um, you know taking the notes on the things that I did remember. So, um, but yeah, uh, all right. Uh, that's kind of where we left it too, right? Yep. We left it outside the bathhouse. I, I assume, um, open for RP and the discord channel. Um, see what kind of conversations happen in the meantime. And I, I, I did see that Winifred had already dated a new one. So, um, and we're two weeks out from our, uh, from our next adventure. Cause Teddy's, uh, uh, MIA next, 
next weekend, right? Yep. So we won't have a podcast next week, nor because we, there won't be a and d session next week. Okay. Well, um, unless, uh, you know what, I'll put it out in the, um, in Discord that if anybody wants to come on and podcast, maybe we can come on and do a podcast next week if, uh, if any of the other players are interested in doing one. A good idea. Um, okay. Um, all right. So what was the... Uh, we call it save of the game, but the um, the play of the game, I guess, in this one, uh, which was mostly RP. Boy, um, I don't want to sound selfish, but I think me being appointed the, officially as a leader and us getting a team name, I would have to say are the big ones. Yeah, except we didn't yet. <laughs> we did appoint you leader. Yes. Um, that, that's what I was being all incredulous about at the beginning. We did a four hour session. We didn't finish shopping or even decide on our team name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it was fun though. I, uh, the, the, the shopping experience was pretty cool. Uh, especially when, um, there's, there's a whole lot more involved because you're learning the, the storekeepers names. You're learning, you know, what vendors they have around their shop, street vendor names, that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's very very detailed. Um, yeah, brings all brings a lot of life to it. And hopefully soon, you know, we'll get more familiar with the city, so we'll know which shops we want, and we can just, you know, spend at least an hour shopping, not not our four hour shopping, and you know maybe as we do more things too, our notoriety will go up too. And, you know, our names will get put around the city instead of us having to search for people. They'll probably come to us. Oh, and, um, there was a mention that the, uh, half ogress that serves drinks at the Phoenix was a, um, holdover from another campaign. Yes. Which I found cool. Um, cause Teddy, is running another Eberron campaign and she was like a cameo from that campaign. So it sounds like if I'm not mistaken and I kind of hope so, but I don't know how this would work out is maybe we might run into his other adventuring people in Eberron. And then there's like two of his campaigns collide into one. That would be cool. And we'll just like have a party of 12 or something and then we'll just go on raids and whatever. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, but, they're, yeah. they're probably much higher level than us. That's probably true, but, but you know, it, it's still cool that it's not just, we have a campaign, it's in our world and it's in its own little slice of the pie. And then there's another campaign going on. It's on its own thing. It's its own slice of pie. It's like, we're all one big pie in our our paths, our stories will intertwine or cross or be parallel. Anything could happen. The closest I came to that. Um, so I ran, uh, consecutive second edition campaigns and the characters in the first one that I ran were the names of the deities in the second one that I ran. And, and then, um, we also had a, uh, second edition group 
that played in my hometown and then a smaller town about seven miles away from us. They had a group that met and our, uh, our DMs met one another, had already known each other, but kind of met one another, started talking D and D one night and the two of them got together and ran a, uh, and ran a war between our two adventuring parties. Uh-huh. Basically built a battlefield. We got stuck in there. It was real secret wars type stuff. And then we fought. And because uh, we were similar levels, it was um, fairly similar. Um, well, I, I don't want to say that. One of the campaigns was a little higher magic than the other one was. But everything was kind of uh, equalized, leveled, you know, down to um, the what the other party had. Um, and then we, yeah, we ended up fighting each other. That was really cool. The, uh, my group won, but there was only like two of us left when we, when we were finished. It was my mage and the paladin. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, having actual other players fight other players sounds one, it sounds like a nightmare to coordinate. And two, it sounds fun as hell to do So because you're not just fighting whatever. Yeah. You're, you're actually fighting the other instead of the, instead of the DM, which that one person having control of all of the moving parts has advantages, but you're dealing with a lot of different, you know, clinical minds that just decide this is how we go about the, you know, this is how we fight. This is how we can get best advantage, that kind of thing. So, and the cool part was the DMs flipped. So we were in separate rooms with chalk giant chalkboards in front of us with the battlefield. So we could only see what our characters could see and their DM was running our room and our DM was running their room. And so there wasn't any shenanigans going on and oh, that's cool. it was cool. It was a lot of fun. Um, the probably the most fun that uh, I ever had doing a project like that was Long after uh, those two groups had kind of started merged and they were we were playing together in the same group because we'd had some people fall off. Now we didn't have really enough for two groups, so we just started meeting uh, together. It's only seven miles away, and then we did something called a mage war, and this was a lot of fun. So um, every player played a second edition 10th level mage all the same stats so your physical stats were all and your physical stats were geared like your strength was a uh like a 14 so no bonuses but if you bothered to take the strength spell and could roll at least a two on your dice you could get a 16 and you know start doing extra damage, or if you rolled a four, you could get a 18 and do even more damage. And so the, even the stats were geared to where you would have maximum advantage from spells that you could take if you bothered to cast them. And then, so really the only difference between all of the mages was your spell selection. Everybody went in with the same template mage. You chose your full loadout of spells and then you were dropped in a random spot in this battlefield. And the battlefield had a few wandering monsters, not very many. Um, and it had like structures and there were magic items to find, puzzles to solve. But basically, 
Only one mage could walk out. Each mage had like a crystal in their forehead. And if you killed that mage, or if that mage was killed, you didn't necessarily have to be the one that killed them. Their crystal would be able to be removed. And you had to have all the crystals in order to uh, walk out. So it was a fight to the death. And that was a lot of fun. It took, geez, we were at that for 10 hours. Because everybody everybody has their own plots of where they are and what they can see around them. And then the DM has to coordinate all of that. He has the master board in another room so that he can update everybody's individual board. And then they take their next round and it gets another update. And then, uh, so uh, I won that one. Uh, most, most of the players were uh, doing like you know, artillery platforms. They were saying fireball, lightning bolt, magic missiles, that kind of thing. Which, okay, that's a perfectly viable strategy. I took a bunch of spells like uh, invisibility, stone shape, that kind of stuff. And I, uh, I stone shaped myself into, a, um, into the floor of a central structure that I figured everybody at least at one point would walk through. And then I did magic jar, which put my soul into a gym. And then anytime anybody walked around, I could sense their life force and jump into their body. So I would jump into their body and immediately take their dagger and slit my own throat, which would force me out of their body back into the jar and then their body, their soul back into their body. And they were dead on the floor. (laughs) Wow. And then the next and then the next guy would come up and see a dead mage on the floor and go, Oh, I need that gym. <laughs> and they would walk up to it and I'd jump into his body and do the same thing. And it was all saving throw based. And um and finally, uh the last and probably I think the smartest of the of the guys figured out what I was doing and so uh, it was going to be a stalemate because they wouldn't come anywhere around there. And I couldn't, you know, my range was only so far. So then I jumped back into my body and I busted out of my little uh, area. And then I went and hunted him down and fireballed and lightning bolted him to death. <laughs> so he'd already taken some damage from fighting one of the other guys. But uh, so that was my whole strategy. And then it, that strategy was barred from all future mage wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, uh, wow, it's a good time though. Um, so I, yeah, um, your your suggestion. I guess I was long winded. Uh, your suggestion of uh, having the two groups collide and and meeting each other, maybe even going on a like mini quest where they have some big thing to do and we've got to do something like to run interference for them or something like that. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Yeah, I mean, I I hope that's the way it is. I mean, it doesn't have to be that way, and I'd be perfectly fine with it. But it's cool that he's keeping his campaigns in the same universe and in the same world. So if anything does happen, even if it's just a passing, hello, there's a group of adventurers. I mean, for all we know, the adventurers impersonating us is his other group of adventurers. Oh yeah, like a spell okay. or something. So. Yeah, and that that would make sense. Except the names, right? I mean, they're probably not really named our names, or you know, knockoffs right. of our names. 
Um, right. I mean, that's a little bit of a breach, but it, it's just, you know, the little things that could happen. Well, even if you didn't interrupt, you know, Storm King's Thunder to do that, if, um, you know, if that group were interested and we got to the end of this to where, you know, it didn't matter at that point really what happened to our characters because the, the campaign's over. And, and we did a crossover then where we would all be of a, you know, similar level. And, um, you know, but it, that's, that's probably, uh, logistically hard to do as well because probably not everybody comes back for, you know, another campaign and that kind of thing. So, yeah. but it is a cool idea. Yeah. So, um, do we have anything else to cover? Any, I think, I think that about wraps it all up. Okay. Well, I guess we can call this one, uh, ready to put in the can. Um, as always, I appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to get together with me and no problem at all. I'm having a ball in this game, man. Yeah. It's going to be a, it's going to be a long week without D and D next week. Yeah, but we'll figure something to do. Um, and, um, if nothing else, maybe we can uh, get together and play some poker online. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, um, like I said, appreciate it. And we will chat with you later, cat. Yeah.